0: SCJ Summit 2016 is coming to Santa Monica, Chicago, and New York
1: City. With a focus on actionable marketing for SEOs, by SEOs, SCJ Summit is a can't-miss event. Get fifty dollars off your ticket now by using the
0: code SEJ NERD. Learn more at searchenginejournal.com SEJ Summit 2016. Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Sign up today for a free thirty day trial at searchenginejournal.com forward slash Audible and get your first book for free
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Marketing Nerds. I'm Brent Satoris and I'm joined today by Tom Antony, uh, head of R&D at Distilled, which is a leading online marketing agency. You have offices all over the world, but you're uh, located in London, I believe. Um, and yeah. uh, it's good to have you on the call, man.
0: Thank you, Brent. I'm very, very excited to be talking to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we talked, uh, we were both at... Um, SMX uh, Munich last year and got a chance to spend a little time together and uh, I enjoyed your presentation quite a bit. Um, In fact, we actually, um, in fact, we actually just put together, I think we just finalized putting together a panel um, about futurism. So one of the things that, you know, you kind of talked about was the, you know, future voice search and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, people who know me know I'm very uh, into futurism. So we kind of put together uh, this panel um, that's going to be happening at SMX Munich uh, early next year. We have a couple other uh, really good minds that are going to join us and talk about that. Um, Should be pretty fun.
0: No, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Munich was great last time, and we've got Eric and Dwayne joining us. Yeah. And I just think once we're all on stage together, it's going to be hard to get us off stage Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's
1: going to be hard to keep us from going on, on, and on about what each other says. Right? That's always the fun part. Is uh, one person inspires or 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 aggravates in some case another, and uh, it, it tends to, to to spin from there. Um, you've been very focused in 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 the future of search in general. Um, Is that something that is a part of your actual role? I mean, it says you're head of R&D, like, is that something that's focused as a part of your role to to pay attention to kind of like where search is going? Or is it kind of just a passion for you? It's both. One led to
0: the other. So you go back a decade and SEOs were doing a lot of experimentation, trying to understand the algorithm, trying to understand where things were going. And the industry matured a little bit, and that became harder and harder to do. So when I joined Distilled, I was a consultant initially, and we were doing experiments, etc. But thinking about the future, I just think it's so important for doing good SEO. We don't want to be doing SEO that next year, we're undoing the things that we did this year. And so I pushed for Will and Duncan, uh, the founders of Distilled, that we should be we should have a department that just focuses on trying to understand the future, trying to know where are Google taking us, and how can we be, how can we use our understanding of that right now to give even better advice than we would do if we didn't know where things are going. So a large part of my role is looking at the publications that Google put out, looking at anything they're blogging about the other sort of technology trends, trying to put it all together and basically thread everything together to understand what are the main trajectories. It's always impossible to understand exactly where we're going to go, but if you understand the main direction, it's surprising how often that's helpful in setting strategies for our clients.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because I learned that lesson um, when I was in social and so it really applies to kind of any field that you're in. Um, when Dig kind of went through their changes and they started kind of becoming more uh, like the grass is green on the other side and started shifting their business model based on investor interests. Um, At the time, like if you submitted to dig.com, it would automatically go to Reddit, stumble upon Delicious and all the other sites. And so you really didn't have to focus on those sites. You could just focus on Dig. And then when Dig, like literally overnight, just went down, you know, like became something that wasn't functional anymore. It was like, oh shit. Like now I have to go and figure out all these other platforms. And it literally took you know, like a good six months of dedicated effort and time to kind of rebuild back to the same place that we were. And so I think that's a really good point. It's a really, it's something more people need to focus on is longevity and and not necessarily about what's just working now, but how is that going to affect your future and how is future technologies going to, uh, you know, affect your marketing?
0: Absolutely. Uh, And and SEO, it's even... The case that things you're doing now could end up being negative it's not that they just stopped working. they could be hurting you. Look at people who are cleaning up links and that sort of stuff, and you don't want to be caught in that position where you're spending your your time and effort just repairing stuff that you already broke so
1: so you talk a lot about voice search. I mean, I think that you know when we look at virtual reality, we look at augmented reality, we look at a lot of different future technologies that are starting to really take grasp. It it seems, especially if you look at the devices, right, like Alexa and all the other, um, you know, Siri and all the other, you know, I I don't want to call them voice search, you know, machines because they're really like augmented, you know, AI machines, right, Um, long term. When you see that kind of direction, you see how, you know, powerful voice search is going to be. Um, you talk about voice search a lot, is that what you think is like the biggest like, focus for what's going to affect search in the future?
0: Yes and no. So voice search is something that we've obviously been talking about a lot, and it's, it's similar in a way to how we talked about like the year of the mobile. We kept on talking about this year, 2012, 2013 is going to be the year of mobile, 2014, and at some point in that conversation. We surpassed the moment that we were in the year of the mobile. It was the era of the mobile, but there was never a sort of watershed moment. And we've been talking about voice search for a couple of years now. There's not going to be a a watershed moment. It's just going to slowly increase in importance until one day we're all going to suddenly realize how important it is. And we've been talking about it for years, but uh, I think in May this year, Google said that 20% of mobile queries are now voice searches. Um, And if you look at the fact that mobile traffic almost doubled in 2015, then you start to realize, okay, this is starting to become something that's appreciably huge. Like 20% of the pie on mobile, which is the the growing part of search, is something that we should be paying attention to. You look at how good the technology is starting to become, so the error rate on Google search or voice search queries is increased uh, sorry decreased it was 25% about 2 years ago and now it's less than 8% so the error rate's going down the the technology's starting to become usable the numbers that bing have put out start are showing that people are starting to use this so it's it's impossible to ignore but what's interesting about voice search is not the fact that we're physically speaking to do searches. It's, it's got some cool aspects, the fact that we're physically, we're not using our fingers to type and, aren't, and we can do something else at the same time, so we can be driving a car or we can be sat in a bathroom. And it's got some cool accessibility implications as well. But the interesting part of voice search is not that freedom of letting your hands do whatever you want. It's the changes it has in the way that people perform and consume searches. So by changing the interface to be a natural language interface, we're going to see people who start to perform longer search queries, they're going to perform more complex search queries, and they're going to start to do things like compound queries. You talked about conversational search. Um, I've talked before about compound queries, and that's something that we're going to see more and more people doing with voice search. And so it's the types of searches that people are doing, the way they're consuming them that becomes interesting when we start talking about voice
1: yeah, the interesting thing with, with voice for me is like the the bad experiences. It seems like one of those things where it's almost like a Google Glass of, of, of VR, right? It's like, or AR. It's like MySpace to Facebook. It's being a little early in the experience process, right? And so right now, when people go to use, you know, phone automated systems where you're talking, hey, you know, tell us what you want, and you're like, representative and they're like, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Right? And it's that repetitive kind of like experience. One of the downsides for me, whenever I go to use voice search, I would say 50% of the time, it doesn't pick up my voice. I don't know how to speak to it. And regardless of whether it's my fault or technology, the experience ends up being, this doesn't work. And, and I don't want to mess with it and so then I go a long period of time without using it again um, is there a concern that you know this is this adaption might happen before the technology is ready for it
0: so the I think there is a concern and there isn't a concern you' got to remember that you and I were in the industry we're playing with technologies earlier than most people are starting to use them and we're very early in that cycle by the time they start to get more mainstream, as I said, the error rate in the last two years dropped from 25% to 8% for, for Google Voice queries. Uh, Apple have talked about similar numbers with the machine learning that they've been doing to understand Siri uh, queries. And so the error rate, 8% error rate, if you had an 8% error rate when we were talking to one another, that would be really terrible. But for isolated search queries, it's starting to become usable, I think. And we're starting to turn that query uh, that, that corner where people are actually... Using this technology, I see people on my commute now actually doing voice searches on the on the sidewalk or, or in the train. And so, I, th- I think you and I aren't the the best measure of, of of who's using this technology.
1: Have you seen any 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 companies that are starting to do like? I mean, I, I'm guessing that all of them are to some extent doing the the learning, but they're learning more from like a a, a, a standpoint. Is anybody doing customized? Like learning right now to where if I say something and it comes out wrong, I can correct it and it starts to learn my voice. Or is that still? That's just way out there. Uh,
0: I so Google got a a sort of related functionality on Android where the phone you can lock the phone to be just your voice, so it recognizes your voice. So um, I, for example, I can't do "Okay, Google" for Will Critchlow's phone. It just doesn't work. But as soon as he says, OK, Google, it, it, it connects. and understands it's him. And so I think we might start to see devices doing that sort of learning. And Apple are doing a lot of machine learning where the learning happens on the device. It's part of their privacy standpoint. Unlike Google, who pump all that data up to the cloud and then analyze it there, Apple are trying to do a large portion of that on your device. So that would naturally learn your voice. But I, and, and learn to be better at your voice. But I don't think we're going to see this sort of active involvement from the user where I'm saying, S- no, you don't mean that. I mean this. Just because that's not a good user experience. I don't want to be... Fixing them to user interfaces, I'm trying to use it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I can see that. But I also would know that if I was committed to using it, that I'd want it to improve, right? I mean, I think a lot of people that use the naturally Dragon, what the Dragon naturally speaking software or any of those kind yeah. of, you know, they, they understand there's a certain level of kind of learning and setup that's required in order for the experience to be more, you know, realistic and, and effective in the future, right?
0: Absolutely, but I think that was a shortcoming of the technology. Like Dragon was awesome when people were starting to use it, but Dragon's now a painful experience. And you and I don't need to learn a specific person's voice in order to understand a stranger, and computers shouldn't Shouldn't need to to, either. Exactly.
1: So, so you've been—I mean—you've been talking about voice search. You've been watching voice search for some time now. Um, what what is it that you see that excites you about it? What kind of you know experiences are you having with it that you know are interesting? And and in, in a kind of an add-on to that, if you don't mind, is how can marketers really pay attention to voice search? Like, I mean, we we talk about it; it's exciting, but how do people actually kind of participate with it?
0: Yeah, what, what 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 do you do with this? Great, voice search is exciting, but what can we go away and actually do? Um, as I said earlier, the exciting thing about voice search, from my perspective, isn't the fact that it's using your voice. It's the fact that when you speak a query, you naturally use natural language. This lends itself to doing that sort of conversational query type thing where I revise a query. So I ask a question, and then I say, actually, Siri, I meant this. So... Uh, find me a list of recipe books. Actually, just show me the vegetarian ones. And so you start getting these what I call compound queries where I do a follow-up query to either revise my initial query or ask something else. What's What's the special of the day at my local restaurant? Okay, that sounds great. What's their phone number? And so once you have this natural language interface, you start to remove some of the barriers of having like a, a visual interface. If you go to Google, you're prompted to type your search query into this box. You're prompted by like drop-downs of, oh, okay, you can search images, you can search news. You're prompted by, okay, I want to filter just queries in the last year or whatever you want to do. As soon as you have a natural language interface and there's no visual indicators, you remove all of those barriers. And so people start doing far more complex queries than ever before. And I think that's going to have a massive knock-on effect in terms of the types of queries we see people doing, which is going to lead to us having to do SEO in a different way. For an an example, is something I call faceted search. So at the moment, a typical e-commerce search query might be, I search for fridge freezers in Google I get a, a list of 10 blue links. I click on one. I go off to a website. I see a whole bunch of fridges. There, I might filter and sort those fridges. And then I'm like, none of those are right. I bounce back to the search engine. I click another blue link. And I go off and do another round of filtering and sorting. What we're going to see happen is people expect to be able to do all of that inside the search engine. So I'm going to say, show me a list of... Uh, like fridge freezers that are have a, a capacity of 40 litres for the freezer section or more. And Google is going to have to be able to start answering those queries. But because I haven't been restricted by the interface, I've just asked for what I wanted. You wouldn't ever do that on desktop Google search. You wouldn't be so specific in your search. And one of the things I'm excited by is that I think we're going to... S- the web on web search cannot cater to those sorts of queries. Because taking me off to a website is just going to enforce... Google has no control over what that website shows. But if they start scraping the structured markup on your fridge site and my fridge site, I don't know why we're both selling fridges all of a sudden, but <laughs> what's going to happen is Google can start pulling that information into the actual search results. And your, your organic search results could start to look something more like Google Shopping where rather than actually take me to your website, it's pulled the product information from your website, from your competitive websites and lets me start filtering and sorting that right there in the search engine. So we start to move towards a completely different model of what search and SEO is all about once you start looking at that. But it also is quite hard to imagine they're not going to go in that direction they've got structured structure markup on so many sites now they can pull this information off your site?
1: Well you can see them doing it in search so it's only a matter of time for them to kind of apply it to voice um, and really start kind of seeing where that goes uh, the, the, the big challenge for me is learning how to re-speak because I, I still I'm, I'm in a different era right so for me when I do voice search I'm still saying keywords uh, yeah. and I have to learn how to actually speak to it because I just have no confidence, right? It's like uh, if I put all these extra words into a search query, I get crap, so I need to keep it focused on keywords so that I can get the highest you know, you know, authority results for you know, what those keywords should be, um, and then with voice search, it's totally opposite. So, but I think the younger generation, uh, just as we're seeing kind of in social where you know, images, Snapchat and Instagram are really the way that people want to communicate their life story, Um, You know, and that's why we're seeing such a big growth there. I think that, you know, they also expect to ask questions in natural language uh, because they haven't been kind of as, you know, doctrined to this kind of Google uh, desktop interface uh, format.
0: Yeah, they haven't been trained to search in that sort of keyword focused fashion. If I give my iPhone to my five-year-old daughter, she'll speak to Siri as though it's a person. She'll say, please may I see photos of rhinos? And she'll be polite to it. She'll say please and thank you to it. She'll speak in full sentences. And there was something going around on like Reddit a couple of months ago of someone had taken a screenshot of his like grandmother's search history, and she was doing the same thing because even though she she was the older generation, she'd never actually used Google before, and so to, for her was default was to speak in this sort of natural language fashion. And I think we're going to see more and more of that amongst new searches, but I also think we're going to see more and more of it amongst people like me and you, where we start to have, as you said, more faith that this is actually going to achieve something, and it's going to be cyclical. As Google gets better at uh, like answering those natural language queries I and mean, showing you what you want, you're going to have more faith in performing even more complex natural language queries, and it's going to go round and round and round until we're just speaking to the computer as though it's a person.
1: Yeah, that's what I look forward to. You know, when when we were just basically, uh, you know, uh, dealing with artificial intelligence simulations, and I especially get excited about the ability for us to take that technology and then, you know, adopt our own patterns to it. Like, I can't wait until I can give my personal algorithm to my system so that it knows how to interact with me and when, you know, and how to talk to me and what to pay attention to and what to recommend based on what I do, right? Right. No, oh, that's absolutely
0: fascinating that aspect of it because I think we're going to see something similar to that. But right now, we're seeing like so much attention on chatbots, and people are starting to have, or companies sorry, are starting to have chatbots that you can go into and order products from. And as you said, like it becomes really exciting when they know what your preferences are, et cetera. But what we're going to see, I think, is your personal assistant, be it Siri or Cortana or Google Now or whatever actually talking to the chatbot on your behalf. And so you're going to talk to Siri and say, I want to buy a dress. And it's going to start talking to chatbots. And it's going to know your preferences. And it's going to filter all of that out for you. And it's going to be far more proactive in that, in that pro- as part of that process than ever before. But we're going to have computers talking to computers. Your computers understand your preferences. And it's going to be
1: proactively doing stuff for you. Yeah, man. I think it's going to be really exciting. I, I've I've done a lot of studying on just memory, right? In the in the fact that like a lot of the memories that we have are based on protein patterns in the brain, like where the proteins are stored and so forth. So it's going to be really interesting once we get to a place, uh, place scientifically where we can add all that data, the genome project, like you know the, the the patterns of our brain, and be able to you know download something that's like a XML file, you know, and just kind of input yeah. it into our technology. So this is. This is, this is kind of where we'll probably get in a tangent more once we uh, <laughs> once we get to Munich, right? And we start talking about all of that.
0: Yeah, that's 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 the terrifying, exciting future, but we're not there yet. But we're gonna, it's, it's another one of those things. We'll gradually creep up on us, and I think we're already going to start to see the, the the computers doing stuff for us. On that, I mean, we're already starting to see that. If you look at um, Google Inbox, 10% of the messages people send from the Google Inbox app uh, have been written by a machine learning algorithm called Smart Answers that you send me an email, and it just suggests what I should reply, and 10% of the replies people are sending have been written by that algorithm. So we're already starting to see the computers doing stuff for us, and at some point down the line, it's not even going to wait for me to actually say yes, send that email, it's just going to send it for me.
1: Uh, (laughs) I have some app on my phone that's like Swift Key. It's Swift Key, like a keyboard. Yeah. And it's like, I love it because it, it actually scans my emails. Yeah. Um, and so it knows kind of like how I write. And so it's awesome because I'll say something in an email response or something, and then I'll be typing something. I need kind of a similar response. And all of a sudden, it has like a, every time I click one of the words, it has the next word in the full sentence. So I've gotten to certain places where I'm entering kind of similar like bio information or stuff. It's like kind of, you know, it picks up the pattern of the sentence structure and starts recommending two or three words at a time
0: to finish oh, wow. the
1: sentence. So I literally have gotten to certain patterns where I can click, 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 click. I was going to say, yeah. And the just, whole sentence turned, is done. Yeah, but,
0: okay. Yeah, I mean, and so once we see, you're seeing that technology already being really, uh, powerful in that it's accurate as to what you actually wanted to do so if I had told you that a couple of years ago you'd have probably laughed about it you'd yeah. probably believe it's going to get there but now we can imagine project that forward another 2-3 years do you even need to check with the computer or can it just do it for you
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be the most exciting. Like my visual kind of marker for transition of technology for AI and everything is when we literally have a virtual assistant who is a copy of us. Yeah. Right. They could go. I could say, hey, go watch all these instructional videos for the next 10 hours on YouTube and then just give me what I need because you'll know how to digest that information the same way I would. And so then you just give me the information that I would have taken away from it, right? Same thing for experiences and stuff like that. You can start to multitask on a level that is beyond, you know, comprehension right now because we still feel like that process of having other people assist us requires just as much energy for us to absorb that result, right?
0: No, that's absolutely the idea of it going away and then digesting it for you is is fascinating. And I definitely, yeah. I I want that now. Can't (laughs) wait for that. In the meantime, like pulling it back to like the the near-term future, what I think we'll see in the sort of next two or three years is something that I call computational queries, where we're going to see a computer—nothing as sophisticated as that—but starting to help you process a query. So, for example, um, I might say. Find vegetarian restaurants near the city center which are well-rated and let me know which are closest. And so right now the computer has to do that that as a search query is quite complex because it needs to know my context. It needs to know what city center am I talking about or downtown uh, from an American point of view. Um, it's needs to go away and look up those vegetarian restaurants. Then it needs to look up how well-rated they are it needs to understand what I mean by well-rated. Because as you said, what yeah. I mean by well-rated might be different to what you mean by well-rated. So it's got a personalization aspect. And then I want to know which one's are closest. So then it needs to actually go and look up that information based on the results of the first part of the query. But it needs to do all of that in one go, in one step. And those sort of computational queries, I think are very realistic that we will see those in the next two or three years. And those could have a really dramatic impact on SEO, the types of search queries people are doing and how we can fulfill them. Because you need to make sure that you're catering to this like massive long tail of information that people want to know.
1: Have you heard of the app Oslo?
0: No, I don't you think should, I uh,
1: So I did a podcast here recently with a girl, uh, I'm sorry, a lady named uh, Heidi Young. And... uh uh, when uh, I was talking with her, she was talking about the product she worked with, Oslo. And, and when she was getting into kind of conversational search, you know, kind of discussions, it was taking that same experience, but then asking questions prior to providing the information. Like saying something when you say, hey, I want to look for this Chinese restaurant. Be like, Is, are you by yourself? You know, yeah. how many people are in your party? Oh, okay. Yeah. How, you know what, what? level? You know what expense level do you want, or or things like that? Um, and I thought that that was quite interesting. Um, you know, to kind of lead into that. I know that this company is doing that, but have you seen anybody else that's like truly taking a conversational approach of like asking questions uh, and engaging, or is it mostly just you know uh, you know uh, joined queries?
0: No, so absolutely. There's a an interview um, that was published last year with a Google engineer. I can't remember who it was, but he talked about exactly that scenario where you ask Google uh, a query. It's probably going to be a voice query because that lends itself, as you said, to this conversational approach. And it says, "Did you mean this or that?" And it basically. So slightly different to your Oslo example, where it was asking for a bit of extra information, it was trying to make sure it properly understood your intent. Because that's something that has been a key key sort of goal of Google with search queries is obviously to take the keywords you've typed, map that to your intent. And here with conversational search, you've the machine has got the opportunity to actually make sure it has it properly understood your intent. And so Google are already doing research on that. I can't remember the guy's name, but I'll, I'll find it out and uh, send it over so you can include it with the podcast.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think that the, the I'm very interested in seeing kind of how that gets adopted by some of the existing, right? I mean, imagine, uh, you know, uh, Alexa or, you know, some of these interfaces starting to really ask more questions uh, based on what it knows that you're going to want to refine by. Every time you've refined by this... So let me go ahead and just ask you right now, and kind of save you that that kind of uh, additional yeah. you know requirement on your part.
0: Absolutely, I think what's going to be <laughs> amazing is what's going to be amazing is the types of things it knows to ask. Like it's going to be. I think they're going to be really well. Trained to ask specific, very specific questions, because you can't ask ten questions when someone's done a search query. Yeah. So good, that's going to be really powerful, and the flip side is going to be it's going to be really impressive the things it does not need to ask. So it's going to know that you don't like this specific restaurant, so it's not going to include that one in the results. And you mentioned about like, are you alone? It might even be doing some sort of analysis and see. okay, well, you're friends with Tom, and I see Tom's phone is right next to your phone. Yeah. So I'm going to assume that you're with Tom. Or I'm going to say, so is that for you and Tom or whatever? And so, but it's going to know so much information that it's not going to need to ask. That's going to be scary as well. We already have. Go on.
1: And to be able to say, like, I know where you're located, so you're driving towards home. I'm going to give you something that's, on your path versus like knowing which direction you're going and where your normal patterns are to determine if you're heading towards home or heading towards work or heading out to go eat versus like catching something on the way, uh, to be able to access like your financials and find out where you're at and know kind of like if you have a certain amount budgeted towards food that you've kind of, you know, I'm going to suggest something for you that's a little more cost friendly. You know, there's a lot of yep. different ways that you can start. You absolutely. Know, uh, absolutely. Information in.
0: It was five years ago that the, the stat came out that Google were using 57 signals about you when you're not logged in to personalize your search based on your location, the time of day, and all of that stuff. And so that was five years ago. I, we don't know how much progress they've made in the meantime, but you've got to imagine it's been huge. And then earlier this year or maybe late last year, Google published a paper talking about the development of Google Now. It didn't get very much attention at all. It was published in academic circles. I read it. And there they talk about things like your like cuisine preferences or your price sensitivity, examples that you just listed. And so Google are already working on trying to use very specific pieces of personalization based on your history. As part of your search queries, they're baking all of that in.
1: I guess they have to. I guess the other concern is being careful not to go too fast, you know, too hard, too fast, because people will get freaked out, right? Neither
0: yeah, that's the other thing. Like you've always got to be stretching people, like pushing them a little bit more. Like, and people will often be uncomfortable with it, but then they'll soon acclimatize. And convenience always wins out, doesn't it? People complain about. Gmail when it came out. Oh, they're going to be looking at your emails. They're still looking at our emails, but nobody talks about it anymore. Nobody worries about it because the convenience of having Google Now remind you that you've got your hairdresser's appointment or whatever it is wins out over your concerns around privacy.
1: Yeah, until something big happens. Dwayne uh, he always references this book he's reading called "Future." He was reading back in the day called "Future Crimes" uh, by Mark Goodman, and uh, it goes into like all the ex, you know examples of what could happen as we go forward, as far as like what people could do from a criminal standpoint. And that's always going to be another factor is like how much vulnerability do you get to when you're you have a system that essentially knows everything about you.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely.
1: There's all, but there's all sorts
0: of technologies where we can, where we have those sorts of concerns. Like, for example, drones. Drones are now being used to fly drugs over the border or, or smuggle things into prisons over the walls. And so, it's not just this technology that has that concern. And I think, I think, I'm scared by the idea that okay, but you could use a drone for all sorts of things. But at the same time, people have been scared of every technology that's come out for the last two hundred years. So.
1: Yeah, I guess the biggest concern I think for me is just that um, the technology now is moving so much faster than regulation can. Um, yeah, we have archaic we have archaic systems as far as like understanding and kind of like making proper decisions and kind of controlling things. And so the technology is just going so fast that there's no way, there doesn't appear to be any way to control any of this going forward.
0: No you're absolutely right and i i just don't think there is a solution where where the law can keep up with the sort of technology things like machine learning are just pushing us forward on so many fronts so quickly we hope, we have to hope that the market regulates itself, but...
1: Yeah, um, Arsenic, uh, Robert Hanson, uh, who's also one of the guys who will be at the uh, SC Oktoberfest with us in a week or two, um, he was talking about a shift where he was saying, look, you know, the way that the internet was set up years ago it would take me months to basically database the entire web. If I wanted to go out and find vulnerabilities or if I wanted to go out and find systems or if I wanted to like search the web and not necessarily saying he's doing it, but if anybody wanted to do it, right, it would take months, which kept people relatively safe, right? If you had a vulnerability, you had a certain amount of time. He's like, recent changes in the way that the internet works and everything else. He's like, I can literally do it in a matter of minutes. Like I can, I can, I can update an entire database of the entire web, and, and so if a vulnerability comes out, I can access a database. I can, you know, put in what that vulnerability is. I can get twenty thousand sites to have that vulnerability, and I can, you know, basically attack those sites within minutes. And there's like no way that you could defend against it. There's no way anybody can defend defend against it. And and that was kind of an interesting. Uh, approach. Uh, an interesting idea of how quickly that stuff can uh, change.
0: Absolutely. It's scary.
1: So you're going to be in SE Oktoberfest uh, in a couple weeks with me. This is going to be your first time going, right?
0: This is going to be my first time going. I'm very excited. I'm excited to be going back to Munich. been there for the last couple of years for SMX Munich, but I've never actually made it to Oktoberfest, the, the, the beer festival side of things. and. The the people, the experts and the attendees going to SEO Oktoberfest seem to be second to none. So I'm just excited to be talking to, to everybody there and bouncing ideas with one another.
1: Yeah, it's been a. It's one of those that if people don't know, it's a. It's a, a small conference. I think they only allow fifteen attendees, and it's fifteen speakers. So there's only like thirty people, um, maybe a couple extra here and there for some charity type stuff that they do. But it's a group that gets together in Munich uh, at Oktoberfest, and you know it's really private. So nobody really blogs about anything or speaks about anything. But it's you know the the cream of the crop. You know the top of the top. Uh, kind of in there sharing like their most real secrets like the stuff that really really is working or that they're doing and, and it's spending three or four days just bouncing those ideas back and forth off each other okay well how could I do this way or how could I do that so it's one of those I think there's a couple hundred people that are on the waiting list and this is actually the last year for um people to get in if you didn't know that this is the last yeah. year and next year will be the last year and only for people that have been to the previous nine years so
0: yeah no I'm looking forward to it I, the, the, the industry as a whole the SEO industry as a whole is amazing for the way that people share and just share their stuff and talk, like, and then it allows you to bounce off one another and that's what's allowed the, the industry to mature and evolve really really fast but when you actually take a, a very focused group of people make it a small group I think that escalates even, even more
1: well, it'll be a pleasure to see you uh, and uh, I, you know I'm kind of I think we're kind of running out of time. so I wanted to end this show real quick by saying thank you. Uh, but also, I wanted to ask if you could just give a, our listeners a sense of where they can follow you, where they can find you, where they can read more about uh, your thoughts on uh, voice search and futurism and everything.
0: Fantastic. Thank you for having me. So you can follow me on Twitter uh, at tom anthony SEO. And then, otherwise, you're best off just Googling me, Tom Anthony Distilled, and I'm I'm normally blogging on my own site, Distilled, and sometimes on Moz and a couple of other places.
1: Awesome. Thank you again for joining the show, and I will see you in a couple weeks in Munich. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Brent. Thanks, sir. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.